You can treat me like one of your regular guests if you want. Oh, I intend to. Okay. Your Honor, I'd like to treat the guests as hostile. What, what is going, going on? on? What What is going on, you guys? Okay. My name is Jake McLean, and you're listening to the Life, Leadership, and Laughs podcast. Hey there, friends. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We have got the man, the myth, the legend, my fraternity papa, my best friend, Mr. Max Iser. Good evening. Good evening. Good, e- good evening. Good evening. Uh, it is uh, a late Thursday night. Indeed. Uh, it's been a long day for the both of us. Yeah. Uh, and so I thank you for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. To record the podcast. Happy episode. to be here and the the... The pod pod loft or <laughs> the recording studio of yeah. the OSI. Yeah, it it was a recruiting studio. Hey, listen, after five o'clock, uh, my office becomes a recording studio. We bring it back to 2011 and say, "Welcome to WMCR." <laughs> Not a sponsor. Yeah. Proud Fighting Scots Radio. Proud Fighting McLean. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Uh, so. Uh, Max, uh, welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, for the listeners who do not know who you are, why don't you start out by telling them a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I currently serve at Monmouth College as the Assistant Director of Fraternity and Story Life and Student Involvement. And as part of my role, I also oversee all of our Fraternity and Story Life housing on campus. Uh, we own all of our housing here at Monmouth, which I love in the fact that it just makes it a lot easier to manage the facilities. Um, you know, some of the bigger institutions have housing corporations. And, you know, although we do have some, you know, local court boards or alumni that will help out, it just it just makes it a lot easier to manage those facilities. And I oversee all of our fraternities and sororities, all of our student organizations on campus, provide resources, provide you know, answer any questions that they have, or if they want to start a new student organization, um, serve on call for mm-hmm. the campus community. Uh, so I do a lot, do a lot of various different things, wear a lot of different hats, and yeah, it's I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, yeah. It's it's been a lot, but it's it's helped me develop a lot as a professional in this role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wearing uh, just a, t- a ton. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, from residence life, I you know, student conduct, especially last semester when Jim wasn't here, I was essentially the second conduct officer because it's just what happened. And John, you know, I told John that I'd be interested in doing it, and I actually really love student conduct. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just so interesting to. It's not that I love it because I'm, it's seeing students get in trouble. But it's more of the fact of the learning experience that comes from it. And it's typically at a time when the student is something is something's going else. Something else is going on. Yeah. And being able to provide guidance and say, Yeah, you messed up, but you know, what are you gonna do to, to, to change the path that you're going on and, and being able to support them through that, uh, I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. 
So aside from your uh, professional identity, sure. Uh, what else should listeners know about you? Oh man, I'm a, I'm an avid uh, gamer of one game. <laughs> uh, I love I, I play a lot of Destiny. Um, I have a wonderful girlfriend named Alyssa, who also is working in higher education at the University of Tennessee, and um. She, she really means the world to me, and I'm very thankful and, and grateful for her to be in my life. And uh, I'm also a very big uh, comic book nerd. Not that I read comics, but I love Marvel and DC characters, um, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter. Just I love nerding out. Um, I think that was some and wrestling, professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. WrestleMania week is this week, which is always fun. Um and I dabble a little bit into Japanese wrestling as well. It's uh, I don't I can't watch it as much because I don't subscribe or pay for uh, Japanese. Uh, you know, there's there's ways to watch it in, in the American commentators, but I don't pay for it. I just watch uh, on YouTube free matches. Mm-hmm. But I love Japanese wrestling because it's just so much different. Hmm. That sounds uh, really intense. And that is something I did not know about you. Yeah, you know, Japanese wrestling is just completely different in that the crowd isn't, like, invested in the match and cheering. They're just dead silent. And, and until, like, the wrestlers do, like, a chain or, like, they do, a, like, a sequence of moves and then they're done. And then they just start politely clapping. Like it's golf. Yeah, essentially. Like, they'll sit there, watch this chain, and they'll go, ooh, ah. And then once it's done, they'll just... And it's, it's so unique and it's so awesome and just so much different than American wrestling. That's like chants and screaming and yelling and cursing. And yeah, it's just a completely different world. And that it's, there are a lot of U.S. Uh, wrestlers over there. Yeah. So, so uh, you mentioned that you're a fan of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Big. Uh, final season is coming yep, up. Yeah. Uh, we're having a watch party for it. Tonight. We are. Can you give the listeners your prediction? Uh, who's going to be on the throne? I think it's going to be somebody. Well, see, I didn't read any of the books, so I don't know. This is where John would probably go on some tangent for 30 minutes about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, truthfully, I'm, I'm a very like. I'd probably say I'd love to see uh, Jon Snow mm-hmm. just because it's Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. But I would also love a twist of if it was like. Uh, Grey Worm? Just someone random. Like, mm-hmm. wait, this... Kind of like a secondary character. Yeah, like a secondary character that nobody would think would... Like Samuel Tarley. <laughs> like, he, I mean, he's definitely a main character, but also, like, I don't think anyone would be like, yeah, you know, Samuel Tarley is going to lead the universe. Like, mm-hmm. I just think it would be interesting. Do you yeah. have Do you have any, any thoughts, predictions, hopes? You know, uh, I, like you, hope that Jon Snow gets it, but uh, I think that uh, the person who's still going probably the strongest and has had the most growth uh, in story arc is either Arya or Tyrion. Okay, great. I thought you were about to say Danny, and I know Alyssa will get mad, but I'm just such not a Danny fan. Well, uh, thanks for listening to this. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, I uh, just, I, I think what killed me... I, I like Danny as a character, but what killed me in the series was just her travels through, like, trying to 
to the breaker of chains Hmm. like that story arc like i get it she's breaking chains but it just kept on going Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I started to just not like Danny's character. Got a little too repetitive for you. It did. And it just felt like, okay, yep, I get it. This is what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Let's conquer some other people or let's go somewhere else and do something. So, yeah. But yeah, I think John, I'm curious how the brand Stark will play into everything. Mm. Now that he's back in Winterfell. Yeah. yeah. And or if he is the Night King. Ooh, damn. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, Avengers uh, Endgame. Endgame is coming up soon. Yeah. Uh, what's, uh, I watched this YouTube video. It was about 15 minutes long. And they uh, gave out their predictions of what they thought was going to happen. Sure. Um, I saw one, just a thumbnail of Captain America as a zombie. And I didn't understand it at any point at all. But I, like... He definitely looked like he was some kind of zombie. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but I am so pumped for that. I am movie too. To come out. I'm I'm really excited. That one is it's supposed to be like three hours. I'm here for it. But yeah. the thing is, is like I'm buying a large popcorn. Yeah, because oh, yeah. free refills. Yeah, and like, I'm, and I'm not moving. No, uh, I might have to move to to use the restroom and refill that popcorn. Right. Because usually I'm pretty stingy when it comes to, to like. You know what the director should really do? Right. In intermission. Oh my gosh, that'd be funny. Like just uh, that'd be different. Yeah. Like they do a tribute to like Stanley and the oh yeah. and the fallen characters, and it's like, just like a side story arc. Then Deadpool just walks in right. to the frame and yep. is like, "Hey, if you need to take a piss, this is your time. time. Get up and go." No, seriously, go do it. Yeah. And it's he just put. I'm just gonna put even a timer on there for you. The fourth wall breaks. Yeah. Or you have uh, Tom Holland Spider Man uh, peek onto the screen. Like, yeah. Hey guys, <laughs> what is going on, you guys? What, what, what's going on? So, um, now that we've spent some time nerding out a little bit, oh yeah. Uh, so, oh, Detective Pikachu is coming up too, and Ryan Reynolds is as Pikachu. It's Pikachu is May, cracking it's, me up. It's May tenth, and so uh, that's like right around commencement. So it, it's uh, that'd be a troubling time. It, Mm, troubling mm, busy yeah yeah but i really want to see that it looks so funny i really want to see zach levi's uh shazam yes you yeah. have been and, saying that and I, I'd, I'd be down to see it yeah so it looks funny i'm hoping that i can um i'm hoping i can get out and see it i think it'll be good a lot of good movies coming out for the summer yeah so many i think that I'm strategic mm, probably but i'm here for it mm, amen so uh, now that we've spent some time nerding out, sure, yeah. Uh, I would be lying if I said I scripted any other show, sure. Uh, and so, I want to take this as broad uh, and as deep as you want, sure. And so, uh, what I thought we could start with is uh, take us to uh, before before uh, Mammoth College Max. Ooh. Uh, so, talk to us about growing up. Ooh, man. Life. Yeah. Yeah, um, whew, where to even start? I think, you know, I grew up in northern Illinois, and I think that's just kind of the, the a good place to start is Genoa, Illinois, a really small town, small country town, um, playing b- lots of baseball growing up. Um, pretty much, I, I played baseball all my life, all the way through high school, and that's actually why I wanted to come to Monmouth, was, was to play baseball. 
I ended up leaving after the, um, like halfway through, like just, I think, um, probably even halfway through the first semester of college because of the time schedule. Um, because then I joined ZBT in November because it was like, it was seriously like only a month after I left baseball, I started getting, um, ZBTs and friends of the house trying to get me to join ZBT. And so kind of that jumps ahead a little bit, but, um, you know, growing up, I played baseball. Um, and then when I was nine, uh, my dad passed away and that has been really integral to my life of not really ever kind of facing it. I mean, I, I definitely knew it happened. Definitely knew that definitely felt it. Um, you know, growing up, there were times when I had friends that would talk about, oh my gosh, my dad is doing this or my dad's saying this and it's just so annoying or my dad, my dad wants to go fishing with me and just, or, you know, do all these activities that they're just like, oh, why does he want to do that with me? Kind of taking it for granted. Yeah. And that was always the hardest for me because I was like, I would love to have my dad to just go fishing and, um, I would love to just go get ice cream. I would love to do whatever, even if it was 15 minutes, just drinking coffee. Like I would do anything for that. Um, and so that was really integral in my life growing up. And, you know, I, I definitely felt it, but I never, I don't think I really processed it. Um, really up until now being a professional because life is just, you know, high school, I I kept myself very involved. I was a triathlete. Uh, I played golf, basketball, baseball, um, and just same thing in the summers. Like summer, I was in two baseball leagues every summer in high school. Um, In the fall, I I played golf and I played baseball at the same time. I played fall baseball. And then the spring I was playing regular baseball. And so I, I was just always keeping myself busy throughout high school. Um, Do you think that was intentional or was it more um, kind of a way to subliminal? quiet? The, yeah, I think it was a little bit subliminal um, because, you know, having anxiety and depression, I which I didn't even really knew, know that I had it. Um, but I always remember and... You know, I didn't find out really um, until I was in my senior year of high school that I, you know, that I had anxiety and depression. Um, but I remember key, I, I was in, uh, I was in band in eighth grade. Uh, and the reason why I did band is because then I didn't have to read uh, as many books for AR, accelerated reading. <laughs> That's literally the only reason why I did it is because I didn't want to read as much. Mm-hmm. And I just remember hearing people over talking, like just talking elsewhere, like in a close proximity and my mind going, they're talking about you. They're definitely talking about you. Like they're upset with you. Uh, they don't like you. Um, you know, you're doing something that's making them mad. And I'd ask and like what the, the girl who was in the drum line with, with us was like, Max, not everything's about you. And I was like, well, yeah, I know. But like, I, I just had that want for acceptance and want for like 
it was just the mind playing games. Um, and yeah, I think it was a little bit subliminal in that I just, it, it quiet, quieted the mind. I worked out, I, I played baseball, I was physically active and that was a coping skill. And then I lost it when I came to, to Monmouth because things change and uh, I then made ZBT my priority um, and I stopped working out really. <laughs> And that was kind of how I, I managed. Mm -hmm. And that, that changed as I continued in my collegiate. And then, ooh, uh, grad school was, was bad just because, again, so much work and, and trying to stay on top of my studies and do well. And just, I'm learning now that actually, like, taking care of myself is, like, a big priority. Mm -hmm. uh, so... Thinking back to the time when you first experienced the loss of your dad. Sure. Does thinking back about it make you see something different about how it impacted the rest of the family? Can you tell me like a little bit more? Mm -hmm. Like how it, did it affect our family life? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Well, of course it did, but... sure. Maybe how, how did it? Yeah. Um, you know, we just started to kind of drift away um, from, you know, my, my mother's maiden name was Roach. And we, we started to just fall a little bit away from the Sicer side. Um, I don't think it was, um, I, you know, I don't want to say that it was anybody's fault, but we just naturally started to, to gravitate away. You know, when my, I can remember growing up and going to, um, my aunt's house or my, my grandfather's house for, for Christmas. And then, you know, after my dad passed, we just stopped doing that and we, we stopped going and, you know, there'll be times that when we started to get back to, you know, that was, that was really during, um, grade school all the way probably up until grade school pretty much all the way up until my until high school and we started you know meeting up at my aunt's house and you know family members that I didn't see on a yearly basis I'd see at Christmas and you know there would be times that I'd been at Monmouth for three years and I'd have relatives say so how's school in Wisconsin and I was like, I am in Western Illinois. And they're like, oh, well, you're not in Wisconsin for school? I was like, no, I've I've been in Monmouth for three years now. Like, it's, it, again, we just kind of naturally started going other ways. And, you know, it definitely affected my mom and, and my sister. Um, but I think that's that's the bigger example. We just kind of there were some aspects we just drifted apart naturally. Mm -hmm. So you've talked a little bit and mentioned a little bit about your, why you came to Monmouth originally. Sure. What happened after you got here? Uh, the plan kind of changed up a little bit. So how did you go from undergrad max to wanting to work in higher ed? Sure. So, you know, through, throughout my time, um, in undergrad, you know, I said ZBT became a priority. And I think that was, again, 
my mind really needing something to focus on. I needed something to put my time and energy in. Um, and I saw a lot of the, you know, I think, you know, we could talk about this for a long time, but I think there's so much difference in leadership on the field uh, versus leadership uh, off the field. I think it, it's far and few between. And I know leadership is used so much, but, you know, on, on sometimes on the field, it's just management. It's not really leadership because you're telling people to get into positions. You're telling people to set a screen. You're telling people to, to just do something. It's, it's not a, the process isn't bringing them in to get their opinion and their thoughts. And so, um, and so, so by getting involved in ZBT, um, I started to take on executive board positions. And so I, I became recruitment chair and then ended up becoming president in both the interfraternity council and my, my fraternity Zeta Beta And through that, I got to work with Billy Bernard, who was our fraternity story life advisor and seeing the work that he was doing, you know, I was like, Oh, that's, you know, that'd be something fun to do. And so, but then again, um, being a communication studies major, it just wasn't really something that, you know, I, I thought about it, but then it was kind of just pushed away or, or, you know, not as, you know, Monmouth's very special place. It's, it's going to be difficult to find something similar like this at a different institution. And, you know, you should probably get your degree if you're going to go on, on to another one that is in a more general field. And so being someone who had, you know, nobody in my family went and got a master's, I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. And so I went and got uh, my master's and, and halfway through I was, or when I went to, to go, I was like, I'm going to get a PhD. I, I was like, I want to go and I want to teach and I want to do research. Um, and then I got halfway through my first year of grad school and I was like, I do not want to continue teaching uh, right now. And I do not want to get my PhD because I like reading articles, but I do not want to continue doing research if my job depends on it. I would rather do research that supplements the work that I'm doing um, and I think would be a great thing that I want to study, but not something that is the livelihood of, of my role. And so then I started to switch and say, I think I really want to work with students and be in that collegiate atmosphere and i think student affairs is where i want to go and um the rest is history the rest is history and fraternity and story life is very special and unique at monmouth and it was a community that i want to be a part of yeah so uh you've been in the role now a couple years yeah so what are some of the things you said you grew a lot as a professional uh in this position so what are some of those things that that you learned either professionally, personally? Sure. So, I mean, there are a lot, and I think the biggest um, is really doing what's best by students and doing, doing things intentionally, Um, you know, being on a part of a search committee and, or not even being on search committee, but just sitting in on interviews of, um, you know, bringing candidates to, to the institution for potential job openings and just answer asking questions. And I've just learned so much. And I think 
you know, through those times when we brought people in, I was like, oh, this is how I'd answer it. Oh, this is how. And it's not to say that, like, oh, my gosh, that candidate was terrible. It's just like, wow, I have learned a lot about just collegiate administration that I had no background in. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is that I have a really good foundation um, because of all the multiple areas that I've been in um, at Monmouth. That I've, I've got some really good bits and pieces of things. And from an administrative position, which is a lot different than seeing it as a student, there's only so much that you can see as a student. There are a lot of different things you have to navigate on this side that I didn't fully understand. So if you think back to uh, whether it's before Monmouth, still in Monmouth, uh, anything that uh, now that you know what you know, uh, is there anything you would do differently? Hmm. Yeah, I think with the role, um, you know, looking and just looking back of, you know, my first two years, um, first year was just incredibly difficult and just getting re, I mean, I, I came in with a communication studies background. I didn't come in with a college student personnel or higher education administration masters. And so I think what I would have done is, tried to build my confidence a little bit more and and knowing that I was hired for a reason. And I was told many a times you were hired for a reason, but I didn't believe it. Um, and going back, I think I would have been a little bit more confident and I, I want the role, I want the, the programs and things to be... Um, liked by students but if you only focus on what students like or if you only focus on the negative reviews that you get of programs it can drive you bonkers and i think that is something that i've learned is you know putting out a survey and trying to get some results of like yeah you know what i messed up in this area i'm probably gonna get slammed here and that's okay um because i would do it differently moving forward um and so i think it's just Continuing to try new things, I, I think I would have loved to do more or at least try different things um, and and fail more because I've learned a lot from doing that during my two years. You're listening to the Life, Leadership, and Laughs podcast with Max Sicer. We'll be right back. If you're listening to the show, I hope that you're able to take some key lessons away from each guest that we have on. If any of these messages are resonating with you, what I would hope that you can do for me is leave a five-star review and tell us a little bit about what you're getting out of the show. Reviews can help the podcast get more uh, recognition, more views, uh, and get other people listening to the show. I thank you for listening to today's episode, and if you want to be on the show, make sure to check out the show notes for a link to sign up for your very own podcast interview. 
Thanks again for listening. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, we back. We back. Uh, so when I first started the show, I talked about having you on as a guest. Yeah. Uh, and you said, uh, not right now. Yep. And you held true to that for about 11 episodes. <laughs> uh, so why uh, the decision to come on now? Well, I think I wanted you to get into the flow of it. <laughs> and um, just wanted the opportunity to just wait, I think. Um, it would make sense for me to be the first one, but somewhat to Samuel, Samuel Tarley. Just might as well wait a little bit. Mm. And yeah. So what's next? And what, what do you mean by what's next? When you think about like the next, I don't know, five years. Yeah. What do you want to, uh, have happen? Be doing what does what does Max Sicer, fifth of his name, mm. see himself doing in five years? Yeah, I definitely see myself in Knoxville, Tennessee, being relocated, living with Alyssa. Um, I think that's the number one thing for me. Um, moving there and 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 trying to either work at the University of Tennessee or. Um, maybe there's, you know, there's another few local, you know, there's a community college and then there's another small liberal arts. That's literally, uh, the fighting Scots, uh, MC Maryville college, which is pretty crazy. Um, and so I see my next steps going down there and trying to do something in student success. That is the next step. Um, if, if I could have a perfect scenario, I'd be working working in student success, whether that be case management, um, meeting with students that are at risk um, of being no longer eligible or on academic probation, uh, being involved in the new member. Being involved in the new member. Not new member. Uh, sorry. Uh, that's my fraternity story of life brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, new student orientation. Um, yeah, got to love going straight to new member. It's right. just been ingrained in my head, Right. but you know, being a part of the orientation process, um, working with students of concern, that's, that's the arena, you know, rent retention. Um, that's really where I see the next step. Why do you think that that is the most important thing to you? Yeah, I think that gets a little bit more because, there are some components of what the role is that I'm doing now that relates to student success. Um, and I think it's the most important for me in that I want to, I want to meet with students more. I meet with students a great deal, a lot. Like I, I meet with students a lot right now. Um, but right now it's difficult because I, you know, fraternity story life means a lot to me and it means a lot to the student leaders. Um, but there are a lot of students that I would, I just want to meet with students that need the help. Mm. And it's not to say that the student leaders don't need my help because they definitely do. Um, I think it's just the intentionality of the work that I do and that there's something special about 
the newness of orientation, um, working with a student that, you know, it's, it's challenging work because they're, you know, you see those students a lot. Um, but I just want to be there for them. And, and yes, I am doing that now, but it's just in a different context. Do you feel like your work right now with students is more transactional? What do you mean by transactional? So uh, they come to you for something, you give it to them, and then they leave? Yeah, and I think that's that's the hardest part because I, I read that in like James Rubalata's book mm-hmm. is that it's like you, you don't want to be a superhero who just shows up to save the problem uh, or when there's an issue. But that's what this what the role for Turing Story Life right now feels like. You know, there are those students that will come in and just talk about their positions um, or talk about their roles. But it's it's it stinks because there are students that um, may be in leadership roles that, well, only the house managers, house managers and presidents meet with Max. It's like, no, I could literally meet with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but the time that they want to meet is again kind of like what you said transactional like hey i want to hold an event so i want to meet with you it's not a yeah i've got these ideas for these programs what do you think like i'd like your feedback or you know what are the areas we can improve in or you know i'm struggling with my role so it sounds like it's maybe not as developmental as you might like yeah and i think that's the thing about um you know, student conduct, there, there was a lot, there's a lot of development in student conduct. Same mm-hmm. with residence life, uh, working with those student leaders that are overseeing their halls, overseeing um, staff members. And the thing that I love about student success is it's very encompassing and so important to the institution, but also it's so important to the students that, the, that they know that there is someone that cares about them. And I think when when they're brought in, if there's a student con- student concern or um, you call them into your office, they may not realize it until they get there, that someone's actually thinking about them and you're caring about them. And I want to be that person because I just want to help more. Mm-hmm. And But I think this role helps has helped prepare me a lot for that, especially doing something like orientation uh, because – there's going to be negative components of orientation. There's going to be negative feedback and taking what's actually applicable and what's, you know, I remember when I was at UNT, uh, one of the negative feedback that we got that I helped uh, my supervisor, Justin, it was, you shouldn't have had orientation when it was going to rain. You got to love that kind of stuff. And that's, and that's the stuff that like, first year max would have just been shattered like just could not have understood or been like but i did everything that i you know like that i i did and now it's just like that's it's not even it's not even possible that's just ridiculous like you just you just set that evaluation down and it's like this doesn't mean like right this like yeah absolutely i wish it didn't rain today but i've planned this for mm, i don't know the last three months four months and there's I can't control the weather. Right. What are those big impact moments for you uh, having been in this position? Like what are those moments that like stick out to you as maybe the most impactful during, like during your time in this position? Yeah, I would say that one of the, 
I'd say Greek week this year, um, we definitely had some, some challenges. We tried new things and, um, you know, we had, you know, a few bumps in the road, but what really made me happy was to see that we broke a thousand dollars raised in two weeks for Western Illinois Animal Rescue. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was amazing. Um, because I didn't think, you know, I was really nervous the entire week. Like there's just, we're not going to beat our, what we did last year. And like, you know, that, that doesn't really matter, but it mattered to me. And it was a point of pride. Um, doing service during Greek week was really important to me because I think it's important that fraternities and sororities on Monmouth's campus serve the local community and campus community. Um, it's something that we preach, but it's something that I truly believe in because I wish I would have done more of that when I was a student um, and saw the impact that it makes on our, our campus community and our, our local community because those they're opening up their town for all of these college students. Yeah. And um, I don't think that's at least I can speak for myself. I wasn't as cognizant about that. It was more of just like, well, yeah, this is where I go to school. Um, we here. We're here. Yep. And I'd also say that just one of the impactful moments I always come back to is, is recruitment, um, especially sorority recruitment, which, you know, coming in fresh on the job, I was like, I started in August 4th and then on like 16 days, 15 days later, it was sorority recruitment. And the process is so tiring, but to be there on the final day to watch, like just to watch the range of emotions and to see all of the hard work that's put in um, for bid day. Come to fruition for everybody. It does. And I think it's one of the, you know, it's fraternity story life is, it's it's difficult. There are times that you're having really difficult conversations with your student leaders and, and you, your members of the executive board because accountability is the hardest part about fraternity story life. Uh, it comes down to, I'd say 80% of the conversations I have is members aren't doing what they should be and chapter leadership or leaders are upset and things aren't getting done or um, things could be better and just wide ranging issues. Yeah. And there's just so many different issues and that in that moment, none of it matters. And, and, you see the joy, you see the excitement, you see the confusion of like, what did I just sign up for? <laughs> what am I doing? Like, what? Like, and the same, I mean, I'd say the same thing with fraternity recruitment because it's just such a shock and awe. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are so many people that come to mind that they're like, I never thought I was going to join a fraternity. And me being one of them and going through it and seeing the roller coaster because that's the best way to describe fraternity story life. There are a lot of ups, there are a lot of downs, but when you're going on the up and you're having fun, it's the best ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're going on the down, it can suck, but there's a lot of growth on the way back. There's up. a lot of growth on the way back up and you have to know that it's going to go back up. Mm-hmm. It just takes time. And that's, 
that's the hardest thing to realize is that it takes time. Yeah. So uh, we're uh, right around the 40 minute mark. And so I usually leave like the last five minutes open Yeah. for a guest to share any uh, final uh, words of wisdom, thoughts, uh, advice, things like that. Yeah. I was actually thinking about this today. Um, and you know, on my way back, I went to Galesburg today and one of the things that I've been, you know, I think if, you know, there are students listening or anybody that's really listening about just group dynamics. One of the things that, you know, it's April, it's crazy. Um, and this is the time when fraternities and sororities start to see kind of that, like seniors have already dipped out or are beginning to, and it's that chapter versus exec mindset of the chapter members, general members who aren't on executive board feel like their voice doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And the executive board is trying to push and get some work done, get some work done and trying to, um, trying to just fulfill the duties of their position. And what I've been running into on multiple organizations is the importance of asking questions and opening the dialogue. And a lot of the issues could be solved very early in the semester. But when we push off things like goal planning, like setting goals as a chapter, it's one thing to set goals as an exec board. But if you don't bring in the general members, they don't buy in. Right. And that's one of the things that I've seen is that it's like, oh, yeah, well, exec board, we made our goals. And I was like, okay, so what's what's the chapter goals? Oh, well, they weren't they're not an exec and or, you know, they weren't part of the process or, or they weren't part of the process. Right. And it's like to me, I'm like, well, why weren't they? It's like, well, they're not, you know, it's the way we've done it. It's like exec has their goals these are what we want to do the way we've done things yeah and i'm and to me like did you ever uh friend or foe did you ever see that show Mm -hmm. it was like a really old 90s like maybe not really old but 90s the way i see it is if you if you engage people in the process they're gonna engage in the friend and do the, the friendly handshake but if you don't, it's they're going to put the fist up and resist. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've just noticed so much is that we don't engage. Chapters could do a better job of engaging general members in the process. And if they were to do that just by asking questions instead of just trying to get things done in a quick, timely matter, if they took the step back to just say, what are your thoughts? What are your ideas? And just listening, mm-hmm. it would be such a different thing. And uh, that's something I learned from my presidency in ZBT. And I think that's important just in general in life is sometimes you have to just take that step back and say, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. What's what's the purpose? What's the What's driving me and... What are we doing? What are we doing? What are like, wh- who else are we engaging in this process or who are we missing out on that needs to be here and have a, have a seat at the table because can't do it all by ourselves. Damn right. 
Well, I think I've taken up enough of the time. So, Max, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Jacob. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, listeners, for listening to today's episode. Remember that you can follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to our mail list by visiting the website. What do you mean, our? It's your mail list. Subscribe to my mailing list. You can subscribe to my mail list uh, to keep up to date on all the fun things that we are doing. Who's we? (laughs) It's not we that I'm doing. You can subscribe to my mail list and see all of the fun things that I am up to by visiting the website at www.jakespeaks.org. Or you can follow me on social media, both Twitter and Instagram at MC Leadership Guy. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Goodbye now.